Om Namo Narayanaya, Jai Swami Narayan, Namaste, welcome, it's a Saturday morning here in Portland, Maine, I got my cup of coffee, thank you for joining me. Today I want to talk about the tarot, it's a two-part thing I'm going to be doing because a lot of you out there might be interested in it. And you're curious about it or you want to do it. And I want to share with you my insights into it. I did it for like 20 years, very seriously. Thousands of readings. Studied Israel Rigardi, who is like top of the heap um, theologian when it comes to delving into the tarot. I have done readings for myself and for others and... I had some good experiences and some bad experiences with it. And one of the themes of this channel is helping you in your search. And I want you to find God and I want you to realize God. And I don't want you to go down dark alleys because it wastes time. And I regret the time I wasted down dark alleys. And I think the tarot is a dark alley. I stopped doing it uh, just a couple years ago. I did it from about age 22 to 42, and I'll be 46 in, uh, next week. <laughs> and um, I don't miss it, and I don't care about it, and I just don't see much benefit to it over the years. So today, in first part of this, I'm going to be discussing some of my feelings about it and then in the second part, which I'm actually going to do in a week from now, I will be discussing some readings I had. 99.9% .9 were junk. They were literally junk. But there was a few that were crazy, mysterious, just like, whoa. And I'm going to share them with you all. And you are free to debunk them. If you don't believe in the tarot, I would love for you to debunk them. Or you can walk away going, okay, 99.9% .9 chunk readings versus two good ones. Hmm. Is this really what I want to do with my time? That's hint, hint. That, that's the message I want you to take away with it. So, yes, if I seem, to the thought that's in your head right now, if I seem like I'm condemning the tarot, I kind of am. And I don't do this a lot. I try to be nice about things. I trying to not to tell you don't do that or don't do this because I don't see myself as a guru. But there are avenues that will take you in places you may not want to go if you are a serious spiritual seeker. That's who I'm speaking to today, a serious spiritual seeker. And I do not believe the tarot will get you where you want to go. So that's what we're going to be discussing today and next week. Before we delve into that, let's take care of two bits of business. I don't like my light. <laughs> I have this little light here, and you see it, it's changing, um, partly because I have a window open, and yeah, it's driving me crazy. So just give me one second. Let me flip around. That's not any better. Uh, that's where I was. There we go. It's not perfect, but yeah, that doesn't seem to be moving. The other thing is, let's now chant a mantra, ask God for his blessing over my talk today, and uh, then we'll delve into it. 
So the mantra I want to chant is something that I just discovered. Uh, a friend of mine pulled it out of the, the history books from India, a mantra that was known about 200 years ago, but seems to have faded away. Uh, I saw it in something he shared with me, and I'm like, what is this? And he's like, yeah, I know. I really had to hunt for it and, and figure it out. And it's a legit mantra. And I want to bring it back because I think it's an awesome mantra. And it translates basically to asking Shri Krishna to be your shelter. And what more can you ask for, right? So the mantra is this. Om Shri Krishna Shara Ban Mamaha Shara Ban Mamaha, not Namaha, which we're used to, but Mama, like like Mama and Papa. It's a little different. And he told me he actually verified that it actually is Mama and not a misspelling. So let's do this uh, seven times. Om Shri Krishna Sharaban Mamaha. 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 Hmm. I will have a forthcoming episode with that chant where we do it 108 times and talk a little bit more about it. So the tarot, the tarot, a few years ago, as I said, I stopped doing the tarot because I made a decision to purge anything from my belief system that was not Sanatana Dharma. Oh, and that light is still bothering me. <laughs> oh, well, we'll just go with it. I wanted to purge anything that I couldn't find in the Upanishads in the books of the Vedas, in the Bhagavata, sorry, Bhagavad, Srimad Bhagavatam, <laughs> um, the Bhagavad Gita, um, anything else. I didn't want that. I don't want a religion that is a synthesis of different things. I want a religion that ties right back. I believe there is a lot of things that have been put into Sanatana Dharma that are not natural developments. They've sort of been plugged in because they were trendy. They were something to sell, uh, a marketing thing. For example, before the secret movie, you never really saw Law of Attraction discussed with Sanatana Dharma. After the secret, suddenly Law of Attraction is Sanatana Dharma. It's the same thing. Krishna was a promoter of the law of attraction. Actually, so was Muhammad. I've discovered that it's actually Muslim. Actually, I've also discovered that it's actually Jewish. Well, it can't be all of them. But the law of attraction and the secret sells. So all of a sudden it was there. And now it's deemed 
a part of this. That is not a natural development of the religion. That is something that's put in. So I have removed everything that I can. And it's a slow process. I'm still finding things that aren't there. I want the traditional path. It's no different. I've had people criticize me for saying this, but I say it's no different than when a Christian says they want the church according to the Bible, not as interpreted by, I don't know, Seventh-day Adventists, not as interpreted by New Thought prosperity gospel. They want a biblical Christianity. They want to go back to that, or they want to go back to the Christianity that Jesus would have taught. It's no different than that. When I say I want to go back to a authentic, uh, you know, uh, an authentic belief system of Sanatana Dharma. Actually, I don't have to go back that far. I think Swami Prabhupada kept it alive. The tarot, I have not been able to find as being rooted in Sanatana Dharma. We know it's rooted in Egypt, and we know through the Middle Ages there were card games of various types. But I've never found something in Sanatana Dharma, in the books of Sanatana Dharma, that look like the tarot that we know today. So it's out for me. That's why I got rid of it. Now, people will say, well, you know, there was card games and they did do things back then. But if you look at what they did and what the tarot looks like today, it's pretty different. It's sort of the same argument of, well, you know, Krishna, uh, not Krishna, uh, Arjuna prayed to Krishna that Krishna would bless him. And people who did the law of attraction uh, pray to a spirit that they'll get a new car. So, hey, it's the same, isn't it? It's, it's, isn't it the same? No, not quite. It looks the same. May talk the same, but a duck and the goose are completely different things. <laughs> and so if there are card decks or things like that in the Vedas, I haven't found them, and they're not the tarot in my book. It would be interesting, though, if there is a card deck magic thing, whatever, based on cards from the Vedic days to bring that back and to work with that and to find out what that's about. That would be fascinating. But the tarot for me is is not Vedic, so it's gone. Now, the tarot came out of Egypt and has gone through many changes over the years and was really solidified for the modern world by Aleister Crowley. His deck of the Tolth Tarot that came about at the turn of the century, well, a little bit later than the turn of the century, but a century ago uh, from where I stand in 2023, his Tolth Tarot deck really solidified the form of the tarot. Up until him, there was some good tarot decks like the Rider Weight Tarot, and they were very influential. But a standardized tarot was not the norm. It was more often the chance that if you went through the Middle Ages and the Renaissance and wherever, and you looked at a bunch of tarot decks, they would all be different. They might be the same on some level, but maybe they have different meanings, or maybe they have different cards, or maybe some would just be the major arcana. Uh, so the concept of having your own variation on the tarot deck was actually the norm. After Aleister Crowley, it became the opposite for quite a few decades, where this is what a tarot deck looks like. 
this is what it should be like, and these are the meanings. And variations were not the norm. Why did Aleister Crowley become the one to do this? Is his Tolth Tarot deck this awesome deck? Personally, I, I used to have it. I think I still do in a box someplace. I never thought it was that interesting to look at. Uh, but he came out with this at a time when, you know, it's in the shadow of uh, the uh, spiritualism movement. It's in the shadow of non-Christian religions popping up, like Christian science. It's in the shadow of improved um, uh, publishing abilities. So you could begin to mass market things in a way, excuse me, you couldn't with like the Rider Waite tarot. It's also uh, improved literacy versus back in the Middle Ages. So there was a lot of variations. He was in a good time and place, and he was well-respected. And so it just kind of clicked, and it became the one. I would say up until the late 70s, early 80s, when everything started to change again. Up until then, you had the Tarot, which was this mysterious card deck. But I think maybe the late 70s, certainly the beginning of the 80s, stuff started to change. I remember when I was young, that was the early 80s, the tarot was this mysterious thing. Very few people had it. You'd have to buy it at a metaphysical store that would be tucked down the alley. But today, you can buy a tarot deck very easily, very cheaply, probably at any bookstore in your town. <laughs> Actually, used to have a record store in town, and I know for a fact you could go in and you could buy a tarot deck and a Van Halen album <laughs> for under 10 bucks. And no one would blink. Nobody cared. Uh, there's a books a million in town that sells tons of tarot decks. And there's so many variations and so many great pictures and so many great themes. So it really started to change. It became normalized. It was no longer this horrible thing. It also just you could find them everywhere. So once something is found everywhere, it loses it loses a bit of its uniqueness. If Barnes and Nobles or whatever bookstore is selling the tarot or Amazon or whoever, it loses that mysterious status on some level. And this is because of printing and publishing and bookstores and all that. Another change in society and, and business. The other thing is we see a lot of people beginning to design their own tarot decks which really influenced things. Once publishing changed to where it is now, and now it's easy to mass produce something, super easy to mass produce something, well, the artists now, well, sure, why don't I do my own tarot deck? And so that really had an influence on the tarot today. I think we could see a sort of, it's a movement forward, and maybe Crowley would see it as a movement backwards, because today the tarot comes in so many shapes and forms that we've gone back to the situation of no longer is this the standard, where this look is the standard. Now variations are the norm. Now it's very common where you can not just make your own tarot deck based on a YouTube video. Um, you can actually use a deck of playing cards if you don't have a deck. So you don't even need a deck anymore. But people also reinvent sort of what the tarot means. They'll, they'll come out with something like, this is the universalist cosmic uh, tarot. And it comes with a special deck. 
and a book with special meanings that they've created for this special universal cosmic tarot, which is unlike any other tarot out there. And it supposedly intones things. You can do that now. Though sometimes for me, it feels like a bit of a marketing thing. Like, wow, you've just forced someone to buy both your deck and your book. Hmm, you know, wow. And, and you're special because you have this special deck. So the tarot has really changed. Now, because there are so many variations in the tarot today, that is my first point of where I begin to distrust it. The fact that it's not Sanatana Dharma doesn't mean it's bad. But the fact that there are now so many variations in it makes me question it, and it should make you question the tarot. So I want to I wanna actually do a reading. I have, I have some cards right here. Hang on one second. I'm put my microphone down. So I, have, so I have some cards right here, just a small little deck you can keep in your hand. And I want to pull out uh, three cards to do a reading for you. Let's see. Here's three cards. I'm just going to put them down. Put another one down. Put another one down. I got three cards. And um, I, can, I can just ask God now. I'll ask, we'll ask Sri Krishna. Lord Krishna, will you bless this deck? Will you give us a message from your heavenly abode, from Vaikuntha, for this podcast today? Will you give us a message for this podcast today based on these three cards that I've put in front of me representing past, present, and future? And bless this deck, bless these cards, and send us a message. Jai Shri Krishna, Jai Shri Krishna. Now let's see what he says. First card is, oh, oh boy, okay. I take a look at the second one and I'll reveal them to you. My glasses aren't so good, excuse me. And the third one, wow. Okay, well, that's an interesting message. So I have just asked Krishna to bless this deck for me, which is normal when you, you know, do a tarot reading, you intone whatever spirit entity you believe in, and then you pull out the cards. Um, I didn't shuffle them first, but you don't have to. And according to this, the first card is this. Okay, all right, well, what's, what's that mean? According to this, the first card is this. What? What? What is this? According to this, the third card is this. What the heck? I have just given you three cards from my Elvis Presley playing card deck. I have just fooled you, and you probably thought I was doing that. I have here, it's a, a an Elvis Presley deck. Just normal deck. Each, each thing has this photo on it. What is the difference between what I just did and a tarot reading where you create your own tarot deck or you from the YouTube or you uh, follow a bunch of playing cards and you call upon a spirit to bless them? Seriously, what is the difference between what I just did, which was kind of a joke, and uh, an actual tarot deck? 
Well, the difference is this has a picture of Elvis from the 68 comeback special. <laughs> so if you can invent your own tarot deck and it can be the cosmic or universal deck, and if anything can be a deck, then seriously, I've just converted this deck of playing cards into a tarot deck. Seriously, I have. I've just asked Krishna who I believe in. I have, right? Isn't this legit? Now you may say, oh, no, no, Aaron, you were, you were pulling a scam, so it's not real. But someone who creates, okay, someone who creates a tarot deck, but they have no relationship with God. Maybe they're an atheist. They don't actually believe in God, but they like the cards and they're an artist. And they've created this new array of cards that's spiritual, but they're not spiritual. Okay, so is that real? But my deck where I actually believe in God, my deck is fake. Is that your argument? So if I have a relationship with God and I ask God to bless these cards, that's fake. But a person who's an atheist and designs, is theirs, is theirs real? Do you really want to argue that? See, it doesn't, the thing for me is the tarot deck has changed so much and can change so much and can essentially be whatever you want it to be that the tarot deck for me is sort of nothing anymore. How can a deck of cards be so spiritual when I can basically design any type of card I want, use anything I want for cards, and then I can create my own tarot deck out of that? I could actually say, looking at this deck right now, I could go like, well, you know, this deck only goes up to Elvis's 68 Comeback Special, and so this is the Cosmic Krishna Elvis tarot. It's a special tarot intoning the spirit of Krishna and the spirit of rock and roll. And because it only goes up to the uh, 68 comeback special, um, that that shows a special meaning because what happened after the 68 comeback special was different. You know, he got fat. And I could write a book about this. And now I have my own tarot. You get what I'm saying? The tarot has, if it can be anything you want, then it almost is meaningless. And people literally say, you can read a playing card deck. And then, and then folks will say, well, you know, you, you intone the spirit of the playing cards, but they don't become something special. There's just something special in that moment. But yet a tarot deck is supposed to be something special all the time. People aren't supposed to touch your deck, or maybe they are, or maybe you have one deck for yourself or not one deck for others. So a tarot deck, you bless, and it's always spiritual. But my Elvis Presley trading, my Elvis Presley um, cards, they're just spiritual ones. Do I have to then ask God to de-spiritualize them? You see how this doesn't make sense? And one thing on my channel is making sense. I'm always talking about making sense and asking questions. And this is where the tarot just sort of fell apart for me. Now, let's say, and then I'm going to move on to another point. Let's say I have blessed this deck. I have blessed the king. And now this deck is special. This is a blessed deck. So from now, I'm only going to use this for the tarot. And I don't play cards. I just had someone give me this deck anyway. So it's fine. I can use it for the tarot. Are you telling me that that deck is special and spiritual now? No different than this little medallion I have. Very little medallion. Hold it up to the video camera that you can just see it of Saint Anne. Um, this was a medallion in Saint Anne that was blessed at the Church of Saint John Baptiste in New York City. 
So this is a blessed little trinket that I was given by someone. It comes in a little envelope. And what you're saying is essentially this tarot deck and this blessed medallion are of equal stature. They're now blessed now. Is that the argument? Think about that for a second. So they're now the same. I should I should keep both these things in special places. Now I have here a little collection of petals from flowers, and it says on it, the supreme sovereign avataric holy day of the divine avataric translation of Rukshiradam Hermitage. Flower petal prasad from Rukshiradam Hermitage from 2010. And this is prasad blessed by the guru the spirit of the guru, Adidasam Raj. So these petals are supposed to be holy and, you know, whatever. They've been blessed by him. If you believe that a new age guru can bless things. So what you're essentially saying is these petals, blessed by a new age guru, this little medallion, blessed by Saint Anne, and these cards, blessed by Krishna, are all now the same? They're all now just spiritual? Wow. Can we kind of make anything spiritual? Does this make sense to you? If the tarot is so special, then how can I have a deck of playing cards be the tarot? And if it's so special, then, well, everything is going to be special now. Or nothing is really special. You, you know, a medallion blessed by a saint is equal to a I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I'll let you ponder that. And I want to talk about addiction. Move on to a new topic before we get into a linguistical and, and logical conundrum. I want to talk about addiction because I was addicted to the tarot. And this is one, uh, this is my second reason why you should avoid it. Anything can become addictive. Anything at all becomes addictive. It doesn't matter. Actually, you could have an obsession with Elvis Presley and it can become addictive. So it cuts out other things in your life. The tarot for me became something I, I grabbed a hold of and I absolutely needed. And I've seen it with other people. I actually know someone who moved in with his tarot card reader so he could get readings all the time. And she could guide his life because I guess he was just so sad or something. I will talk about in the next episode, as I said, readings that I've done and how I got into the tarot. But once I discovered the tarot, which was through a reading done for me, and then I started reading about it and I got my own deck and I was like, you can you can see the future. I was hooked. Well, who wouldn't want to see the future? I really needed that. I was a geeky college kid at the time. And I was struggling with work and relationships. I really, really wanted to know the future. Now, the tarot can also be a meditation tool. You can use it to, you know, you can pull up a card and go, um, oh, this is a picture of, of Elvis on Frank Sinatra. And that's, it's a calming thing. And I'm now going to meditate on calmness. You, you can do that. But I know so many tarot card readers that maybe they do that, but it becomes an addiction because they take that card and they meditate on it. Oh, you know, we're just going to take the words of calmness in my head for the rest of the day. But they do this every day and they can't go without doing that, 
Well, that's now an addiction. And that's what happened to me. I used to have a shrine growing up and I would put and it would travel with me and it would change as I would discover different spiritual things. So like this Prasad from Anida would go on in and it was just weird stuff that I had accumulated. But the tarot deck was always on this shrine because it was special to me and it was always right there where I could find it. I, I felt it had unique properties and I didn't ever want it to be far away. And I had a couple decks. So if I was far away from the house, I, I could have a second deck. And I would go days without a reading, sometimes months. And then other times I would be having to do a reading every day, sometimes multiple readings in a day. And I would struggle with decisions and I wouldn't be able to make up this decision until I had a reading. I had to have this reading. And this really tripped me up when I was dating because my dating life has been good and bad like everybody's, I think, who's dated a lot and been single a lot and been depressed a lot and been lonely a lot. You meet someone new, you're like, oh, who is this person? This person's so nice. Are we going to get together? I don't know. Let's check the cards. Oh, um, no, I don't like that card. So let's do another reading. Oh, this is, this is, oh, I feel good. I feel good about this reading. It's, it's uh, Aloha. Uh, no, it's Chi Blues. This is a good reading. And then you go on your date and you're like, why did that get all messed up? Oh, I need another reading. And the reading the next day is, oh, blue Hawaii. Oh, that makes me feel good. I'll keep going with this relationship. And then something gets all messed up and you're like, oh, God, what am I going to do? And you pull out and you're like, oh, Chao House Rock, you know, nope, you know what? I don't really like that. So let's do a second reading. I would do this. And I had both my physical cards and a computer program. And I went through different computer programs to find the best. I found one that was really good. It's called the Love Tarot, and it would give you love readings. And I discovered after a few years that they were always positive. <laughs> but they were really good, and they would drive me, though. Well, they were really good for me in my sad, lonely state because they would give me hope. And and I would chase after women who actually weren't interested. <laughs> um, probably didn't help matters. And everything became having to look at the tarot. I had to look at the tarot for everything. Oh, what am I going to do today? I don't know. What's my mood? What is my mood? I, why would I ever have to ask that question? I know what my mood is. I am a person who is aware of myself, but I would get a tarot to set my mood for the day. Why, why do I have to set my mood? That's scary. That's odd. But that's what happened to me. I became a tarot addict. And as I said, for years, I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't say for years. I don't think I've ever gone years about doing the tarot, but months, months at the top. I would I would do the tarot. And usually it was because life was going good. Things were going good. Think about that for a second. I didn't do the tarot when life was good, but when I was miserable and sad and lonely and going through many charms, then I did the tarot. Hmm, what does that sound like? That's a drug addiction. When you're doing good, you don't get on drugs, but when you're sad and miserable, you tank up. Think about that. What's the difference? I'm going to take a drink and let you ponder that question. I was totally addicted to this. And it was easy to become addicted because who doesn't want to know the future? Seriously, you, you watching this, don't you want to know the future? And if you're watching this, you're interested in the tarot, I assume. Or you want to see how bad I'm condemning it and want to hate on me. But if you're interested in the tarot, it's because you want to know the mystery of your future. 
things are rough. You want to know, are we going to get Love Me Tender today or a photo of a recording session? <laughs> I became so addicted that it was insane. I, I remember sitting in my apartment for maybe an hour and a half on a program just running the program over and over and over, getting different readings until I got the reading I liked. That's not how these things should work. I don't pray to God going, God, give me a sign. No, no, that wasn't the sign I wanted. Give me another sign. Am I going to be a millionaire? No, no, that's not the sign I want. I want a yes. Come on, Lord, give me a sign. Give me a sign until eventually I get a yes. That's not how we do religion. That's not what religion is about. That's not what spirituality is about. But that's what the tarot was. Always trying to find the answer I wanted. Or an answer that matched the mood I was in. I didn't like readings that didn't jive with what I was feeling. You know, I wanted either my neuroses to be confirmed or my feelings to be confirmed or something. I remember, oh, well, it was probably more than once, but I can remember once some years ago, I, I met this girl online. I wasn't too sure. I don't know. She was probably really cool. And, and I don't know if we would have worked out, but I met her online. But I wasn't sure of the vibe. And I did a tarot reading one night. And the tarot reading came up sort of like blah. And I went, okay, I'm not going to respond to her anymore. Well, that relationship never went anywhere. Maybe it would have, and maybe it would have been very good, and I would have met someone very nice. But I never knew. I don't know. I've never met this girl. I don't know where she is. I don't know anything about her. I don't know her name or anything. Um, this was on a dating site. But because of this reading, I never gave myself the opportunity. I was more invested in what this card said and some meaning I gleamed from something that was totally, honestly ambiguous. Because as I said at the beginning of the show, 99.9% .9 of readings that I did were bunk. Like three readings in my life have been good. Three. And that's an addiction because you know, because what happened was I discovered the tarot through a good reading, which I'll talk about in the next episode. And then I was always searching for that good reading, or I was searching for something and trying to relate the tarot to me and to trying to make the tarot fascinating. But it was all tenuous. It was all questionable. It was all iffy. And I remember even buying um, another tarot deck, hoping that tarot deck would actually give me better answers. <laughs> I had the, I had the Tolth tarot. Um, and then I had another one that was really gothic because I just figured, you know, goth and the tarot, they go together. So let's make it happen. And, and it was a really nice tarot. And that's why I haven't gotten rid of it because it's, it's really well drawn and with like kind of vampire type characters and real Dracula-esque. But I thought, well, maybe this will give me a better reading because I'm not tied into Aleister Crowley's Tulse, so I need something else. And I was like, oh. I have a friend who was writing a book on the tarot based on ancient Egypt and Native Americanism and some New Age, well, lots of New Age stuff. And he had drawn a lot of the images and was going to work on the book, and then he passed away. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll buy his book. Uh, that'd be cool. Even though I'd read some of what he wrote and trying to fuse Native American religion with ancient Egypt, I, I often found to be very questionable. 
but he was one of these, you can create your own tarot, like I can create the Krishna Elvis tarot. <laughs> so it was an addiction. And when something becomes an addiction, it is not spiritual. It is actually moving you away from spirituality. You are not gaining anything. And I certainly wasn't forecasting the future. And the tarot is so addictive because it is so easy to just pick up the cards and whoops, I just dropped one, but you only need three. Technically you only need one and you can do a reading. I used to work in a store and every day the guy would put a tarot card out on the front counter. It was a furniture store and he'd put it out there in a little, in a little holder for it. And some people would laugh at it. Oh, that's so cute. But others would come in and go, oh, that's your reading for the day. Oh, my goodness, that's such a great reading and long conversation. And it's, it's so easy to put a card out. I've done that. I've actually had a little shrine and whatever, and I would light incense and I would put a card out before work. Or, or something. I, it's just like, it was an addiction and I see it very clearly now. And it wasn't an addiction that was actually giving me anything. It was actually holding me back from like the opportunity of meeting that girl, which leads me to my last point And the last thing, and this is really the biggest thing. And I'm stepping on cards right now because I've dropped so many that you haven't noticed off screen. <laughs> Poor Elvis. <laughs> um, obviously, I'm a fan. You can see my license plate up there. I have a friend who every so often he finds stuff at Goodwill and he gives it to me. <laughs> um, the last reason I would say stay away from the tarot is the most important reason. And that is I found through my 20 years of doing it that I never discovered God. I never got to know God. I talk about God all the time on this channel. I talk about knowing God and feeling God and being a part of God and your relationship with God. That's sort of my mantra. What is your relationship with God? Have you found God more than just, well, God is great? No, tell me about God. Do you fear God? That was why I talked about in my last episode about uh, Pope Francis and fearing God. I never feared anything when I was doing the tarot. I didn't have to. The tarot was telling me what to feel, and the tarot never told me to fear anything. It certainly didn't tell me to fear the spirit I was intoning over this computer program to read the tarot for me because I was feeling too lazy to pull out my deck of cards. Uh, I uh, never felt like my spirituality grew. My spirituality was always in the stage of what if, what if, what if, whoa, I gotta know, I gotta know, I gotta know what's doing, happening next. I was never really growing into a deep relationship with God because I was always trying to figure out the future. <laughs> I was always trying to figure out, well, what's gonna happen next and what am I gonna do? My spirituality was all very reactive. It wasn't loving or settled or devotional. It wasn't bhakti. It wasn't just the joy of God, the, the pleasure of God. It was, what am I going to do about this date tonight? Let me ask God. <laughs> and it, it was a, a drug high, as I said, about the addiction. I do not feel that in my 20 years of doing the tarot, did the tarot ever get me closer to God, make me aware of God, make me see God, make me know God, make me know the attributes of God. 
pretty much nothing. I I didn't see anything. What I saw was myself. What I saw was my neediness, my selfishness, my desire to have my belief systems affirmed positively by a reading that was gibberish. <laughs> what I saw was myself making decisions based on a playing card deck, which is a lousy way of making decisions. What I saw was myself trying to declare that this is spiritual, that the Krishna Elvis deck is spiritual, and I am I am in tune with God, the, you know, the God of Jehovah and and I don't know, whatever God you want, I'm in tune with him via Elvis Presley the King. No, that's, that's garbage. That's literally garbage. That's how I felt doing the tarot. And I was always doing more of the tarot. Sometimes I didn't have anything going on, and I just would do it for the fun of it, thinking that it would connect me to God. I literally, at one point, right before I quit the tarot, I was like, you know, life was actually pretty pretty good. Um and I did some readings going, this will deepen my spirituality. Nope, nothing. Absolutely not. It just kept me on a loop like a rat, constantly searching for something that the cards could never give me. It was, it was mind-numbing. It was mind-numbing. And on some level, I knew better. So it's interesting. When I first found the tarot, I was introduced to it by a friend simultaneously as he also introduced to me the um oh god what is, i i just totally blanked on it uh the it's it's the little symbols the japanese symbols and they have the lines and you throw the coins and um ching something i ching i ching i ching and you throw the coins or whatever, and then you draw out these lines and you look in a book. So this friend of mine introduced me to tarot at the same time that he introduced me to the I Ching. He loved both those things. Uh, and I remember doing the I Ching going, oh, this is actually kind of cool. And it's kind of fun to build these little lines. And then you, you look in the book that I had and I get the meaning. And I never, never, never found any meaning from it at all. It was like, it was just absolutely bonkers so far away. I never saw anything, nothing in it. Uh, it would be like, instead of reading tea leaves, it'd be like reading the direction the spaghetti falls on the plate. <laughs> well, it falls in every direction. It was completely meaningless. So I was like, this is this is foolish. And I just tossed it away. But the tarot I'd had a good reading with. So even though the readings that followed for years and years and years were horrible, for some reason I believed in that. Why? It was luck that I had a good reading, or maybe it wasn't. We'll find out in the next episode. But it was just like, oh my gosh. And then when I got rid of the tarot, what happened to my spirituality? You know, you're watching this show. You're watching my pleasure and talking about God and and rambling on about this stuff. And it just instantly changed. It deepened. And I had more time to invest in things of value. <laughs> and I don't miss it. So I want to bring the show to a close. I've said a lot here, and you may disagree with some things I've said. That's fine, of course. There may be other reasons why to avoid the tarot. 
And those reasons may be based on things in Sanatana Dharma. I'm not personally aware of them. That's why I'm not mentioning them. I know Christians like to roll out a list of, well, you know, you could, you're not supposed to do this because the Bible says whatever. Well, I'm not Christian, so I don't have that to rely on. I thought about what I wanted to say today, and I just found three things that I just want to share based on my thing. It's an addiction. Um, it doesn't make sense. The cards don't make sense. If this is blessed, then how can my petals be blessed? And they're all equal. It doesn't make sense. And also, it just it didn't work. And and yeah, this is this is my personal experience based on my thing. It's not necessarily theologically profound. <laughs> it may not make sense. I may have said some things which are illogical. You're free to argue that if you want. And I just know that at the end of the day, I never found God by it. It didn't move me forward, but I thought I was moved forward. And that's the last thing, as I was talking about. I thought I was finding God, but I was deluded. And to tie it to the previous thing I said, why was I deluded? Because I was in an addiction. And what does an addiction do? It makes you think and do and stuff that you're not. How many heroin addicts tell you, oh, I'll get off any day. I'm not addicted. Uh, totally addicted. You know, they think their life is going really well, uh, going really well, excuse me, because they're they're strung out all the time because they don't see what's really happening. And I was addicted to the tarot. I thought that made me spiritual because I was going to a deck of cards all the time. And really, it was junk, just junk. And it, it deluded me. So that's my personal experience. Small print. You figured that out. And in the next episode, I'm going to talk about the readings. Now, you are free to explore a tarot if you want. I, I, like I said, I am not a guru. I'm not interested in telling you how to live your life. I'm really only interested, and this is the whole essence of this entire channel on YouTube that's dupli you know, duplicated elsewhere. The whole point of this is to help you find God and to help you know yourself. And knowing yourself will help you find God. That's what I want, because I think it's one of the greatest things. I think it's one of the greatest things. And if you should find God through the tarot, then lucky you. I didn't. And if you should find uh, God through a New Age guru, well, lucky you. I struggled and got hurt. If you should find it through Christianity, great. Or if you become a giant after watching my show, wow, that's cool. Or a Sufi or a Muslim. Good. You found God. And that's what I want. We may have some theological arguments down the road, though. <laughs> but I want you to find God in some way, shape, or form. So if, if you find the tarot gets you there, then I'm kind of happy for you if you if you came from darkness to light, as they say. But the thing is, is I don't think it will get you there. I think it will delude you. And I think you'll ask questions of the tarot. Oh, what's my life going to be like? It's going to be like a 1956 concert. <laughs> but you'll be deluded and you'll stop asking the tarot, the important question, dear tarot, are you helping my life or not? You'll never ask that question. And that's the important question. We should ask questions all the time and be self-aware. And I think the tarot cut my sense of self-awareness off. So find God, look for God, do what you need to do. I encourage the path of Sanatana Dharma, but whatever path you are on is good, but don't let it become an addiction. 
when you stop asking questions. That's the most important thing for me. That's where I'm going with this. Do what you need to do, but don't. Yeah, but there are some paths that will take you in the wrong way. And if if you can find God and know yourself, that's what I'm encouraging. But some paths, I just I just don't think they do that for you. So I'm I'm going to randomly grab a card, and that's going to end this show because I want to see what Elvis the King and the My Christian deck says for us as the final reading for today. All right, put on uh, also Sparks Zarathustra, folks, because that's the song he entered with. Dun, 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 dun. And we have 1960, a photo of Elvis in his military uniform on a train going home after his discharge. Ironically, going home means his, means his army service was over and <laughs> so is this show. <laughs> and you saw I wasn't looking. So actually, maybe I did bless this deck because that is an accurate reading. We are we're going home now. <laughs> the show is over. So is his term. So. Yeah, that's actually just freaky. Wow. OK, that was weird. That may have debunked the last 40, 50 minutes of talking. <laughs> we're going to stop there now, folks. Yeah, that's a little freaky. <laughs> there it is. Going home. Going home. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna. Hare Hare. Hare Rama. Hare Rama. Rama Rama. Hare Hare. Thank you for watching. I'll see you next week for part two.